Great line from the Gospel of but Matthew. What, but from what, the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yeah. When Donald Trump says women should be punished, or Mexicans are rapists and criminals, I'm telling or John you. McCain's not a hero, he is showing you who he is. Senator, you, you, you whipped out that Mexican thing again. Welcome to Election Profit Makers, a guide to winning and losing money on the 2016 campaign using online prediction markets. It's Wednesday, October 5th, 2016. This is the 11th of 17 episodes on our limited podcast series. I'm David Reese, and I am joined by my childhood friend, John Kimball. Hi, John. Hey, David. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm okay. So let's get right to it, my old friend. What did you think of last night's vice presidential debate between Tim Kaine and Mike Pence? It was sort of a mess at the beginning. There was a lot of uh, candidates talking over one another and talking over the moderator. But it was overall, it was pretty feisty. There was a lot of discussion about policy. And I think in the end, it's not really going to affect anything. I thought, and everyone else seems to think, that uh, Kane was a bit overeager, a bit aggressive. And that sort of had the effect of making Pence look more statesmanlike. That's my favorite. I love that word, statesmanlike. But, you know, he kind of has that look and that mm-hmm. demeanor anyhow. He did, basically, Pence did a, not a good job of defending Trump uh, because Trump is sort of indefensible. But Pence, overall, he he's a smooth operator. He's got a background in broadcasting, and he's, he's really not going to make mistakes. He's just going to throw out talking points sort of in a robotic way. I mean, he sort of reminds me of John Edwards in a way. He's Ooh. real smooth, and uh-huh. but you know that he's completely full of it. So I am looking forward to really not seeing much of Pence in the future. Do you think this spells doom for the Clinton campaign? My theory is now everyone who's on the fence about Trump but hates Hillary will say, okay, so I'm not voting for Trump. I'm voting for Mike Pence. Everyone knows Mike Pence will really be running the show anyway, right? Just like when uh, Trump's apparently Eric Trump or Donald Trump Jr. Remember the story went to uh, Kasich about being vice president and said you'll be in charge of all domestic and foreign policy while our dad runs around and just makes America great again. You know, I think that maybe you're right that those are on who are on the fence could do that. But who's on the fence at this point? I heard 67 to 68 percent of the American electorate are on the fence. Are those inflated statistics? No, I don't think that's right. What is it? It's like three percent of voters, right? I mean, I I mean, you know, there are different numbers everywhere that uh, people that say they're undecided. But are they really undecided? I kind of doubt it. Really? Yeah. Are they all just they all just want attention? Are the, is that game still being played where people say they're an undecided voter so that a thousand news crews will follow them around as they go grocery shopping and say, hmm, I wonder yeah. what the price of celery is, in, how that's impacting Marjorie's decision about who to vote for. It's exactly what it is, yeah. Sad fact of the matter is no one in this country gives a shit about the price of celery. So you didn't watch any of it? You haven't seen any of it? This is my experience of the vice presidential debate. I wasn't able to watch it because I was at a friend's live variety show buzz marketing our podcast election profit makers. And hopefully we're going to pick up a handful of new listeners this week. That would be exciting. I got home late at night and, and climbed into bed and used my handheld computer, my phone, which has a computer inside of it, my computer phone, I should say, to look at Twitter reactions to the vice presidential debate. And after 30 seconds of looking at Twitter, it seemed the consensus was as follows. Tim Kaine got 
his ass totally kicked by Mike Pence. And Mike Pence is going to be, if not the president within the first 30 days of the Trump administration, after Trump is impeached or just wanders off into a field somewhere and no one can find him, then he will definitely be president in 2020 when he runs on his own accord. So I came away thinking like, that's it. The election's over. Trump's going to win. This gives all undecideds permission to vote for Trump. You know, like how Cheney reassured everybody who was skittish about voting for George W. Bush, boy wonder governor, baseball management genius. Yeah, I, I, I just don't think the vice presidential debate matters. You know, Biden lost in 2012 to what's his name? What is his name? Whoa, I like this. I know his name, but I like I like. Come on, Paul Ryan. Yeah, yeah Paul Ryan. I've, I've, I've already yeah, I've already forgotten his name. He does he doesn't even matter. And and you know what, Pence doesn't matter either. People think that Pence is going to be going to be the, you know, the top guy in twenty twenty. Who was the last um, non incumbent losing vice presidential candidate to actually get the nod? to be the their party's nominee again. Do you know who it is? Is it Mondale? No. Is it Songus? No. Is it Mrs. Doubtfire? I don't know who it is. I don't even... To tell you the truth, I didn't understand your question. Will you ask your question again? It was Bob Dole. Ask the question again and let me see if I can guess. Even though I've given you the answer? I, didn't, I, I wasn't listening. Okay. Who was the last non-incumbent... Bob Dole. Am I right? Good job, ma'am. Let's get back to the vice presidential debate. What happened to your portfolio during or after the vice presidential debate? I made $18. I bet on one thing, which was... ACA, Obamacare, word market. Is that what it was? That's right. And we were sure it was going to be said, and it was said within like 15 seconds. So, yay, that was good. That was good, but nothing else happened on predicted. The prediction markets didn't move. Nothing. The, the the vice presidential debate didn't affect anything. How did EpiPen fare? No, that lost. That oh. was a no. All right. But Charlotte, Charlotte was a yes. I mean, that was exciting. But I feel sick, kind of like celebrating that Charlotte was mentioned. I mean, what the demonstrations in Charlotte are about is is kind of sad. So to celebrate making money on that, which I didn't, but to celebrate anybody making money on that kind of feels a little gross. Well, let's make it very clear to our listeners. We are the only two non-sociopaths using predicted.org. Everybody else on that website <laughs> is a total moral monster and has no <laughs> sense of community or common decency. You and I alone, John. Even our listeners? I mean, I wonder if our listeners feel the same way. Our listeners are all sociopaths. Why would anyone listen to us? I'm just kidding. Mm. That's true. I'm going to cut that because I don't want to alienate our listeners until the very last episode when I have a very special message that I'm going to give. You mean alienate them further? Remember when we, <laughs> remember when we when we had the diseased and um, we played that yes. show at the teen center? Uh huh. Do you know where this story is going? Oh yeah, uh, I know exactly where this story is going. So I was talking to our to our mutual friend Andrew a couple weeks ago, and and we were talking about your rant. And I was like, you know what? This just reminds me of David. In, in high school, when we came out with this scroll of the diseased, and we pulled out a scroll of all the people, in, and it had a list of names of all the people, our fans, that were in the crowd. And, and we listed all these people off. 
and said that we hated them. This is real talk on election profit makers. If you're here for election analysis, go find another podcast. So we had this band. Uh, this was not the secret band. This was the... <laughs> it's so hard to talk about this stuff without sounding crazy. There was the secret high school band that nobody knew about. And the name of the band was secret and all the songs were secret. But then, because you guys were like, well, we know how to play in a band. Let's go be in a band. Chicks will like it or whatever high school kids say. We started a second band, which was the public band. And that band changed its name with every show. Because God forbid anything ever be easy or accessible for anyone. So one time we had a show at the, at the Chapel Hill Street scene, the teen center below the post office on Franklin Street. And the name of our band for that iteration was The Diseased. And we put out a song, and it was our last song of the night, and I thought it would be very dramatic and fun if we had this big thing. And we listed everyone in the crowd and said, we hate you. And then we just threw down our instruments and ran out of the teen center and just ran down Franklin Street. Do, do you remember running away? Oh, yeah. Okay. I do. The reason that I did that was I really resented the fact that you and Aaron and Mike wanted to have a social life wanted to date girls, wanted to drink beer, and I felt like I was losing my grip on you guys and you guys weren't going to stay in my basement for my secret musical project for every Friday night until the end of time. And I really mm -hmm. resented the, the, the peer pressure that people were putting on you guys to come out of your shells and engage fully with the community at our high school. I felt very threatened by that. And I thought, oh, one way I can get... <laughs> <laughs> I'm realizing this for the first time. <laughs> One way I can get everyone to leave my friends alone and just get their hooks out of them is if my friend <laughs> just literally reads out their names and says, we hate you after every name. Oh, my God. Yeah, we have a recording of that. And, and probably the most interesting <laughs> part of the recording is after we threw down our instruments and walked out, you can hear the crowd sort of like, Huh. Yeah, The Diseased. That was a nice band. So, John, I want to talk about how my portfolio did as a result of the vice presidential debate. Like you, I had a single bet. I put all my eggs in one word basket, and that was the Obamacare basket. Will they say ACA, right? And like right. you, I made money. However, a couple hours before the debate, I started to feel a real sense of panic that nobody was going to mention Obamacare for whatever reason. I almost felt like if I'm not going to be watching this debate, I couldn't wish properly for the, I don't know how to express it. Like, you know how, John, like if the Tar Heels are playing and you can't watch the game, you kind of get worried that, oh, they're not going to do as well because my attention won't be focused on them and I won't be able to control reality with my mind. Sure. Yeah. I felt the same way about the vice presidential debate. And I was like, I got to get out of this market. I'm selling. So at the time... Yes, shares were selling for 77, so I put in a bid at 78, and I dumped. A, somebody accepted it eventually. I mean, it, they were broken up and sold in five separate uh, blocks, but I got all the way out. And John, I made over 35 dollars. That's right. You had 200 shares, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. I nice. made 35 dollars. That's the most I've ever made. Feels good, right? The rush is real. Election profit makers, $35. Good job, man. Seriously. Yeah. And John, I hate to put too fine a point on it, but isn't that more than you made? Yes. Yes. That's, that's twice as much as I made. And now for my final announcement of the day, John, I'm up.
you're up overall. Well, not my first $30, but pretend that my first $30 never happened. And also pretend that all the money I have invested is, well, I guess I can't really say I'm up. I mean, when I look at all the numbers at the top of the screen, it adds up to more than $300. So I'm up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're up. Ladies and gentlemen, an election profit makers exclusive announcement from David Reese, formerly the drummer for The Diseased. I'm up overall on predicted.org. Discounting initial investment of $30 and other psychological damage factors. What is your sense of the election? Tell people about the text that you sent Starley and me earlier this week. I mean, I think it's over at this point. I mean, all, all of the forecast models have kind of come into alignment. Everybody is around 80% or so. For Hillary. I think, uh, yeah, for Hillary winning. I think 538 is still lagging a little bit. They're at 75%, but like the Princeton Election Consortium you know what, is at you know 91%. What can explain? I read an article that explains the five, why 538's model is lagging, and it's because they, they, their fingers are so covered in boogers from all the boogers that they're picking and eating that they can't touch their keyboard and update their projection. I'll, I'm <laughs> still bringing it at 530. I'll start a feud for free publicity. I don't even care who I start it with. Uh, so, yeah, and, and the way things look in the Electoral College are just not good. You know, he, he is uh, way down in Pennsylvania, and if he can't win Pennsylvania, he really can't win. Right. Uh, he, he needs to win Florida, North Carolina, Ohio, Nevada, and then one more, like New Hampshire or Colorado or Virginia. It's just not looking good for him. And how are you feeling about North Carolina? I feel great about North Carolina. Six polls in a row showing Hillary ahead by about an average of two and a half points. It's crazy. I so, went in. I went in after after your text. I started to get real hyped, and I bought two hundred shares at sixty one cents. That the Democrats are going to take North Carolina. I'm. That's a lot of money. Yeah, I think you can feel good about that. So, what should people invest in? They should be in all the presidential ones. They should be in. In will Hillary be the president? Will the next president be a woman? Will uh, the next president be a Democrat? Um, they should be in the electoral college markets, and they should look to get in markets like North Carolina and Florida. But John, think, there's one I thing. Think, there's one thing you're forgetting. That's going to be your downfall. What's that? According to Roger Stone Jr., Julian Assange of WikiLeaks has information that's going to destroy Hillary Clinton forever. Oh, that's right. And right. he's going to stand on a balcony and make a huge announcement, and then Trump's going to be president. Right. Actually woke up at 4.30 in the morning the other morning just because I couldn't sleep. And I thought, well, as long as I'm up, I should log on to Twitter and see if Julian Assange made good on his promise to release some incredibly damning information at 4 a.m. local time. And I went on Twitter and the scene on Twitter was dead. And then I went back to sleep. And then I woke up the next morning and I was like, yeah, Julian Assange doesn't have jack shit. Nope. Do you think Julian Assange ever played in a secret high school band and then listed everyone in the audience and told him he hated them? It's possible. That wouldn't be good that we had have that in common with Julian Assange. Do you ever worry that you're too much like Julian Assange? Yeah, yeah, I worry about that a lot. I think <laughs> I am. <laughs> Let's do a psychological accounting. Let's take stock of our mental portfolios. We only have a month left. How are you doing em emotionally? Has Predict It helped and built up an impenetrable numerological 
firewall between us and the horrors of this election, which was our intention all along? Spoiler alert. No, I, I don't think it has. No. Psychologically, I'm, I'm not worried about the outcome. I am a little bit anxious just to get my money. And it's not helping me to distance myself from the election at all. Was our, so our experiment in using this financial trading website as a way to kind of shelter our hearts from how awful the election was going to be and to reduce our stress because we'd be able to focus all our energy into trading on the election rather than just being worried about the election. Has our big experiment been a failure? In the end, I think it, it will be a failure. It's, it's failing right now. I mean, there were times at the beginning where I thought it was working. Okay. Should we keep going? Mm, yes. We got to get our money. Look, I still care about <laughs> money. So I still so care about depressing. the money. What is ha what happened, man? You to should be so happy. Don't you want Hillary Clinton to be the next president or at least more than you want Donald Trump to be the next president? Yeah, but you know the 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 joy is in anticipation. I'm always I'm sort of like this with um you know when they're building a new skyscraper or something. It's it, or a big piece of infrastructure. It's really exciting when all the cranes are there and, and it's being built in the second it's done and they top it off. It's sort of, it's a letdown. It's over. And I'm, yeah. I'm experiencing that right now. I'm, I'm, you know, like you said earlier, I'm, I know that the game is won. So I think I'm coming down. You're coming down off your infrastructure, your political infrastructure high. Yeah. Okay, so if you don't have the rush of, of, of anticipation for this election because you've decided it's over, don't you still have the rush of betting on the election? The real rush? The rush unlike anything else? John, have you lost your taste for waves? Is that what I'm hearing from you? No, I've gotten more conservative as we've gotten closer, so I'm just not taking in as many risks, and I'm in more of these blue chips. I'm not doing the polling markets and things like that. I'm in, in, right. in, I'm in the... Will Hillary win? The stuff that there's no action in those. It's just like re investing for retirement. The closer you get to retirement, the safer and safer your investments become. And you're just not getting that rush. You're not dancing along the razor's edge between destiny, desire, and danger, right? Exactly. Yes. And so you're dying inside. You're dying inside. And so what I would say to you is for next week, I want you to make one really dangerous investment just to make you feel alive. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Do, do something really bad with your money, and it'll make you feel so excited, okay? Okay. That sounds like good advice. John, can you put a little more into this conversation? Yes. I'm sorry. I agree with that. I think that um, – I'm sorry. You just sound kind of depressed. I know. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're just kind of bored with the podcast and predicting. No, better. I'm not bored. I'm – well, this week we got a major hurricane that's coming up the East Coast, and I'm I'm a little bit distracted by that. So I knew there was something going on. I knew there was something going on. 
because you're not usually like this. And now that I know there's a major hurricane coming up and that your interest in politics is about to come into conflict with your interest in superstorms and weather systems, okay, I get it. Ladies and gentlemen, let's just take a minute and John, just give us an update about this storm system and the hurricane and just and just say what you're thinking about and, and why you're splitting your attention between the election and the hurricane. You have I yield the floor to my esteemed colleague from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, John Kimball. Okay, you just want an update uh, on the forecast for the storm, or I want it um, all, just as much as you can give us in sixty seconds. I'm going to put some real high energy music on. Okay, it. well, Go. I can't, I, the thing is, I can't give you that much because I haven't really been able to focus that much on it. But we, yeah, we do have a major storm that's coming up, and it looks like the Euro model this last night around midnight came out and shows that this. Storm is going to swipe along the Florida, South Carolina coast and maybe do this crazy loop, something that we have really never seen a major hurricane do before. So it's going to be really potentially exciting. I don't think it's going to hit North Carolina. You know, it was, you know, heading straight for the Cape Fear River, like pretty much all hurricanes do when they come up there. But it looks like it's going to drift out to sea now. And maybe do a loop and then hit Florida again. We'll see. I love you so much. You sounded so alive. Finally, John, is Starley's sitting over here laughing and crying. Finally, you're back. Should this podcast just become a storm tracking podcast? I mean, if the election's over, and if you think the election is now kind of boring, and you just want to focus on hurricanes, then let's change that. We'll 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 change the name to Storm System Profit Chasers or something. You know? <laughs> Or Tornado Money Chasers. That's a good name. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? We don't have to talk about the election this week. The election's boring. Tell me something else that gets you excited that you've been thinking about. Carolina football had a, a big game this past weekend. Yeah, we're not talking about that. Okay. John, we got a lot of good listener questions, and I would remind our listeners that we're running out of time. As everybody knows, this podcast ends the day after the election at our 17th episode. Our 17th episode will be our final episode, and this is episode 11. So if you have questions, get them in sooner rather than later. I also have an exciting announcement to make. John Kimball will now be answering all questions about any topics, including storm systems, North Carolina infrastructure, the relationship between Yichen, China, and Goldsboro, North Carolina, one of the great analogies ever made by anyone in my life. Do you remember when you said that, John? Yes, 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 I do. Okay. You were like, oh, I, I, Aaron was explaining what Yichen is like, and you're like, no, I get it. It's like Goldsboro. <laughs> so awesome uh john will you accept questions about the height of your pile of almanacs that you once made a web video about sure yes will you accept questions about your history with north carolina Tar Heel basketball sure yes yes that'd be great will you accept questions about your love of music and your deep in-depth itunes music library yes anything else you'll accept questions about yeah anything anything Sure. Special offer. You heard it here first. Election Profit Makers. It is open season on questions for John Kimball. In fact, you know what, John? Issuing a ban on all politics-related questions on Election Profit Makers. For the next week, we will not accept any questions about, about politics. In fact, you can't even submit them. It's not that we won't answer them. I won't even look at them. <laughs> so if you're going to submit a question to contact at electionprofitmakers.com for next week's episode, it has to be non-political related. All right? Sounds you good. You second my ban, John? Yes, I right. second that. Yes. All right. So slap your hand on the table, and that's how it gets confirmed. Great. Moving on to this week's questions. John, we have a question from Matt. 
Matt writes, I'm wondering what's your opinion of 538.com's latest forecast that Richard Burr of North Carolina will defeat Deborah Ross in the Senate race. They're giving Burr a 56.1% chance of winning. I guess it's not a huge surprise that an incumbent would be in the lead, but I'm wondering why the North Carolina Democrats haven't come up with stronger senatorial candidates over the last several cycles, and how Ross's weakness as a candidate might affect your thoughts on the Clinton-Trump in North Carolina markets. I don't think uh, Ross's weakness as a candidate, as you say, is going to affect the Clinton-Trump outcome in North Carolina. I think Roy Cooper is right now outperforming everyone in North Carolina. And who is Roy Cooper? Roy Cooper is running against Pat McCrory, Republican Governor Pat McCrory of House Bill 2 fame. Um, Right. I don't think there's any question that Roy Cooper is going to win. And I think Hillary will win by a little bit less than Cooper. And the Senate race will be close. And I, I think there is a good chance that that Burr pulls it out. He's done a really good job of separating himself from Trump. Here's the one thing that I'm I'm worried about in North Carolina. You know, the, the 2013 law that just got struck down by the Fourth Circuit. The, Sorry, the, start up again and just explain the law. Okay, the 2013 election law that got struck down by the Fourth Circuit, which had all of the restrictive voter ID and was targeted at limiting African-Americans from voting. It it cut voting hours and... Totally shameful. Completely yes. and utterly shameless and shameful. Right. And that was, that was thrown out. But the one thing in that that was not thrown out was the elimination of straight ticket voting, meaning that this mm-hmm. November, for the first time in the presidential election in North Carolina, you'll no longer be able to fill out one bubble to vote Democrat or Republican. Right. So, well, technically, you've, you've, you've actually had to fill out two bubbles in North Carolina for president. But um, in 2012, 2.5 million voters in North Carolina, which is 56%, used that straight ticket voting option. And that straight ticket voting was particularly prevalent in counties that had larger African-American population. So one thing it's going to do this this year is it's going to create longer lines, and we know that longer lines deters voting, and we also know that it increases the likelihood of those that do vote that they won't complete their ballot. So there's a possibility as they go down the ballot that they may not vote for some offices. So that's the thing. Okay. That's what I'm worried about in North Carolina. But you're still confident. That even if Burr is up in the senatorial race, that's not a leading indicator for Trump versus Clinton. You think Burr could hold on to a Senate seat and Clinton could still win North Carolina, even though one is a Republican and the other is a Democrat? Yes. I think we'll, we'll see some ticket splitting this year. Okay. I would just like to say hello to Matt, and I hope you're doing well. John, we have a question from Adrian. I've been reading up on how prediction markets have historically been far more accurate than typical polling practices. But as I look through the comments on Predict It, it appears that many participants rely heavily on those polls to inform their betting choices. Do you think that by factoring the polls again, bettors might be inadvertently introducing their inaccuracy into prediction markets like Predict It as well? John, I love this question. I feel like this gets to the elephant in the room. 
Yes, I think that uh, particularly in the markets that have to do actually with polling, like who will be ahead at this particular time, those are definitely influenced by the polling. But it's not always the case. It does happen. But as we watched in the debate last week, there was no polling and the prediction markets moved about seven percentage points in Clinton's favor during that Trump Clinton debate. And in the next few days, the polling came out and basically confirmed what the traders had seen. So, yes, I, I do think the they are refreshing 538 and in the upshot model, the New York Times and all that. But but I also do think they're using their, as I said last week, visual analysis to make their own calls. When I read this question, I was like, oh, I right, of course. It's like, how can a prediction market be more accurate than a poll if the prediction market is based entirely on polls? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the philosopher Wittgenstein, he had this argument against the possibility of a private language, which was by extension an argument against solipsism that you are the only person in the universe. And he said... If you're the only person in the universe, you'll never know if you're using language correctly because you never ha you never have an external objective uh, way of confirming that you're being consistent from moment to moment. He, his analogy was like, it's like confirming what time a train is going to arrive by looking up the, the timetable in your memory instead of looking at an actual timetable. Now, I could be misremembering this because it was a long time ago since I read all this stuff. But Adrian's question got me excited because I was like, oh, my God, predicted.org is just as faulty as a private language. But you're saying it's fine. Yeah. I didn't major in philosophy, so I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, I'm saying it's fine. Well, I don't. I majored in philosophy, but I don't remember any of it. I barely understood this stuff when I was reading it. Okay, Sorry. I just became captivated with Wittgenstein's per persona and how grumpy. And, you know what? Actually, now that I think about it, Wittgenstein is the kind of guy who would play in a high school band and then make the singer <laughs> read off a list of names and say, "I hate you, I hate you." Maybe, th yeah, maybe that's why I was drawn to him because Wittgenstein was like really brilliant and poetic philosopher, but also like pretty hardcore asshole, like pretty hard to get along with, pretty difficult uh, <laughs> personality-wise and stuff. And if he had been into uh, punk rock, I could see him doing something like that, you know? Like, he would have played in a band like The Diseased. He came from a musical family, actually. His, uh, I think his brother was a, was a piano player with one hand, and he had a special piece commissioned for a one-handed piano. Huh. Okay, that's enough about Ludwig Wittgenstein's brother. John, I have a question from Palmer. I'm a predicted beginner. But I want to maximize my gains when the cash starts rolling in. How many computer monitors do I need to trade like the pros, all while keeping an eye on Twitter, Real Clear Politics, etc.? What is your setup like? John, school these people on how a real predicted pro keeps his eyes on the prize. What is your terminal setup? I do not have a terminal setup. I have a laptop, and I try not to use it because I hardly know how it works. I do most of my trading. I, I really do all of my trading on my iPhone. I know it's ridiculous, but it, it, it works pretty well unless it's a really fast moving market, in which case I would recommend that you definitely be on at least a laptop and have a couple of windows open. And why is that? You want to be watching Twitter. You you want to open up a separate window and put an auto plug in that has auto refresh, so you can see the the prices changing in real time. So mm -hmm. I, I don't think you can. I think multiple monitors is a 
a way to go. I think that would work great. I don't have multiple monitors, though, and I, I do fine. John, when you first started trading and telling me about Predicted.org, you made it sound like, like a very gentlemanly, like almost Bertie Wooster type of activity <laughs> where you could just lie on a settee all day, you know, enjoying the comfort of a neck pillow while just looking at your phone. Do you still do that? Do you trade lying down or sitting up? Lying down most of the time. And why is that? Uh, I just think it's it's more comfortable to be not leaning over and, and you know having bad posture. If you're if you're kind of lying down and you hold the phone in front of your face, you're you're. I mean, it seems kind of lazy, but you're straight. Okay. You know, tall guys like, like us, we have kind of long. I mean, you know what I mean? How you're. Are we about to talk about our body proportions and the fat and torso length versus uh, leg length? Maybe I I have short legs relatively for someone my height. I have just like an extremely tall torso. Yeah, your torso is really really long. Yeah, it's ridiculous actually. I would say your body is eighty five percent torso. Yeah. is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. And I'm eighty five percent head. <laughs> You know I have a big head. It's okay. I'm, I've dealt with that. Kids used to call me Frankenstein in sixth grade. That's fine. Are you serious? Yeah, man. You remember? Oh my god, that guy remember was him? such a jerk. You know, Andrew and I were talking about him the other day. I was like, he, I bet that guy's still a jerk. He used to call me Frankenstein in sixth grade, and it really got under my skin. And we were at a sleepover once at Josh Taylor's house, and eventually I was like, you know what? Let's go outside. And we went outside in the middle of the night on Pritchard Avenue. And I said, I'm so tired of you calling me Frankenstein. We're going to fight right now. But instead, I just told him about my feelings. And that's a kid. You know what? That's a kid who was so short. And I know this from somebody who dated him in high school. Yep. That he would hang in his closet on a bar to try to stretch his body out. So when he's calling me Frankenstein, maybe he was just self-conscious about his own shortcomings, so to speak. Right? Mm -hmm. So we should be a little more loving in this world. That's the takeaway from that listener question. A final question, or I should say a final submission from a user known only as Phaedrus. Listen to this, John. This is really crazy. All right. I was looking around for a version of the negative risk script that I wouldn't have to transcribe from the podcast. It, uh, longtime listeners will understand what that's a reference to. And I happened upon a mostly working JavaScript version. I cleaned it up and turned it into a Chrome browser plugin that automatically puts a little icon in the predicted.org website on linked market pages. And they then Phaedrus has sent us a screen grab of the Trump Clinton October 5th, 16 approval rating market. And sure enough, there's a little flag that says lowest possible loss minus 3.5, highest loss minus 8.8. Phaedrus continues, I'm obviously doing this with a burner email account because of the highly dangerous nature of this kind of illicit pure capitalism. So don't try to find me. <laughs> if your listeners want to try it, they can go here. Bitly.com slash negative risk. Ladies and gentlemen, this, this might be Ed Snowden. We don't know who Phaedrus is, and there's no way to get in touch with him or her, okay? This is highly speculative, dangerous technology. We're dealing with stuff that would make Glenn Greenwald just, <laughs> just, just have the time of his life. I don't even know how to express it appropriately, okay? You can go to bit.ly.com slash negative risk, and, I'm, and, we, and I'm issuing a 50-foot wide disclaimer right here. I have not tried this Chrome plugin. We haven't talked to Predicted about whether this is allowed. 
who knows what. We are releasing this in the spirit of transparency. John and I are huge fans of Julian Assange and his and his very principled and not at all bewildering or befuddling insistence on absolute transparency at all costs. Okay, so we we speak with the spirit of Julian from his Ecuadorian em- embassy balcony right now. You can go to bitly.com/negativerisk and take this Chrome plugin out for a ride. I went to the page. I couldn't tell what I was looking at. But in the spirit of transparency and, and empowering our listeners to make healthy decisions, as well as a ton of money, there you go. Thank you, Phaedrus. Do you have anything you want to add about that, John? No, I'm excited about trying that out, though. Are you going to do that? Yeah, definitely. Okay, do it and let us know next week. That would be awesome. Okay. Also, it's a great ex- it's a great way for us to bring the conversation back to negative risk, a much-loved topic that we haven't talked about in, in, in quite some time. And I know our listeners would be thrilled if we once again entered the thicket of negative risk. Isn't mm-hmm. that right, John? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we have some donors to thank. We just want to we just want to send our sincere gratitude to everyone who took some time um, out of their busy day to donate money by PayPaling it to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. John, are you ready to hear the honor roll of our donors? I am. First of all, we thank Ben, Adam, and Sable. And Sable, John, sent us a nice note about wondering if we would continue the podcast after the election. But of course, we will not podcast ends the day after the election but thank you sable for your donation we have a note from patrick along with his donation he asked did you know that john kimball is also the name of the character in kindergarten cop gee i don't know john did we know that since kindergarten cop came out when we were in middle school did we ever mention that to you yes we knew that yes we got a donation from eli eli has submitted 100 percent of his earnings that he's made so far from predict it we appreciate that that's a lovely gesture for all of our listeners anyone who wants to submit 100 percent of their earnings on predict it that's uh, we we like that um eli's earnings uh, were not substantial but it's really the thought that counts uh we got an email from matt whitson saying i'm not dead yet david hickox now i want to shout out these guys okay i have a bone to pick with these guys Last week, we got a donation made in someone's memory, and I read it in all sincerity because I assumed the person had passed away and whatever. Maybe they were a fan of the podcast. These are just two guys razzing each other, each calling the other person dead. I don't want that on my podcast. That's negative energy. That's playing with fire. Everyone who listens to this podcast is alive. Everyone who donates money is alive. If you're going to submit an in-memoriam donation note, I'm going to email you and confirm that the person has actually passed away. I don't want any more of this type of tomfoolery on election profit makers. Election profit makers is a celebration of life. Isn't that right, John? Yes, that is correct, David. We celebrate life every week on election profit makers. John, this is an intriguing donation from Phil. I humbly request exclusive rights to the phrase disco pellets for use as a band name. He gave us $25. Is that enough to get the exclusive rights to disco pellets for a band name, Starly? You look skeptical. John, what do you think? That's fine with me. Yeah. What? Whoa, okay. Master negotiator over here. No. Phil, if you want those rights, it's going to be another $25. It's $50 to get exclusive rights to Disco Pellets as a band name. We got a donation from Kevin. Now listen to this. Kevin donated in Satchel's name. Buy some lobster pellets for Disco. This guy's burning me coming and going. I will get to Satchel in a minute. I don't need anybody donating in honor of Satchel or in Satchel's name, okay? Longtime listeners know that Satchel and I have a very tortured history that began last week. So I, I don't need this Kevin fellow trying to stir the waters. And also, buy some lobster pellets for Disco. They're called Disco pellets, and lobsters, I don't even know what that's in reference to. Okay, Jack donated and made a reference to another political podcast, and I th- I'm not going to read the 
the note out loud because I'm not sure we want to start a beef with this pot. Do, are we, I can't remember where we stand on our beef board, John, on our spreadsheet of beefs that we're trying to start. Are we beefing with keeping it 1600? Sure. Yeah. Oh, all right. I mean, now, all right. We are now. Yeah. Keeping it 1600. We're coming for you. We're beefing. We're going to bring so much beef. You're going to think you're podcasting from inside a cow. That's what it's like. Okay. Uh, Laura donated, said Ride Waves, acknowledge Lucifer. Done and done, Laura. Next up is Josh, dedicated to my wave riders, Desiree and Tim, and my cats, Hero and Starly. This guy named his cat after you. You like that? All right. Nobody named any kind of animal after me. As everyone knows, I'm opposed to humans and animals living under the same roof. I think it's unnatural. Okay. John, this next donation is a little complicated and a little controversial. I want your input. Okay. We got a second donation from our friend Mike, who everyone remembers as the guitar player for that charming young band, The Diseased. <laughs> Mike sent a second donation and said that even after I banned him, he unbanned himself after five minutes. How can a listener lift a band that I placed on them? How is that possible? It's not possible. And then possible. He's, trying to buy, he's trying to buy his way into my good graces by sending a second sizable donation. Listen, I don't have a problem with you unbanning Mike if that's what you choose to do. But Mike cannot unban himself. Yes! Mike, you're banned again. The ban is now, it's doubly applied. So, Mike, you need to stop. Uh, this is what's going to happen. When I'm done talking here, there's going to be a tone, and you have to stop listening when you hear that tone, and you cannot unban yourself, okay? If you really want to be debanned, you have to text me. Don't do it through this public forum of the PayPal donation page, okay? You can't buy your way out. I'm going to return Mike's, you know what? I'm going to return Mike's money to him and double the ban, and then if he wants to get unbanned from my double ban, he has to triple his donation. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write that down. Okay, so Mike, here's when you hear this tone, you are re-banned with double band force, which is one of the hardest types of bands you can ever get out of. Here's the tone. Thank you to Adrian, Martin, Nathaniel, Carey, Richard, and David M. We appreciate all your donations. John, we got a donation from the Netherlands. We got a donation from James. That's exciting. Uh, and now a follow-up note from Adrienne, who last week, some of you will remember, I gave her a hard time because she donated $1.25 and I was teasing her a little. Adrienne sent a very heartfelt note. Adrienne, I appreciate your note. I understand, I understand student loans. I understand debts like that. And we really do appreciate that you sent us a little money. And I appreciated it the whole time. I was just doing a goof. But anyway, uh, I what, Adrian, what I will say is that you said that you read my book by checking it out of the library and therefore you didn't give me any money. And that's absolutely correct. So as soon as you get a bunch of money, you need to go out and buy 50 copies of my book. Thanks, Adrian. Now we got another, now I have another donor who's trying to have a little bit of fun. After I called out Adrian last week for her $1.25 donation, we got a donation from Luke for $1.24. Now, it's euros. <laughs> it's an overseas donation, so actually it adds up to more than $1.25. But Luke, your point is made. I will no longer call out anybody or have any fun with anybody for a small donation. Having said that, we only accept large donations as of right now. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to Satchel. What happened last week with Satchel, John? Uh, you banned Satchel last week. And why did I ban him? Because he sent a passive-aggressive email and insulted us. 
I can't even remember. There's so much that's gone on with Stat- Satchel since then. Now, some of you will remember last week this country boy from Florida named Satchel trying to burn us in his audio file that he sent along. And then he sent that passive-aggressive pseudo-apology email along with his audio recording. I told Satchel he was banned from ever sending us any more audio, and he had to send us a donation to make up for it. I think that's what the conditions were. Yeah. Anyway, the next morning, we got a follow-up email and a follow-up audio from Satchel. Okay? Satchel has, has done exactly what we asked of him, and as far as I'm concerned, he is well on his way to returning to our good side. He's not out of the shadows yet, but the darkness is lifting. Let's listen to a little selection from Satchel's audio message. So, yeah, you, you were totally right that uh, I did give some money and it felt good. And then good things started happening to me. And so I want to now, I'm trying to turn over a new leaf and, and I'm encouraging others. I want to encourage others to, to donate to election profit makers. Because actually I realized, like, that's how you make money. That's, you're profit makers, man. That's what you guys are, is profit makers. So that's why we need to give you money. Now. Satchel sent this donation and then said, hey, as long as I've made this donation, maybe you could mention my pizza parlor. You will remember, listeners, my friends, that last week we banned all advertisers from election profit makers. And we banned all corporate sponsors from election profit makers because we don't want to be influenced or, or um, compromised by any association with, with any of these fly-by-night operations that operate on all these other podcasters. Yeah, I said it. Half these businesses are fly-by-night. No one's going to order. No one's going to order. <laughs> Come on. They have, this, they have this one podcast sponsor where it's like they just send you clothes in a box, like a whole outfit. You know what I mean? Like a belt and a shirt and pants. And it's like, here's your new clothes. Come on. Half these, half these businesses are going to go out of business in six weeks. I don't care how many comedy podcasts you're sponsoring. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Back to Satchel. Satchel, because of the size of your donation, which was quite generous and which we do appreciate, I am now for 15 seconds lifting the ban on election profit makers, advertisers, and sponsors so that I can promote your pizza parlor. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're ever in Gainesville, Florida, head down to 1800 Northeast 23rd Avenue and enjoy a slice from Satchel's Pizza. A slice or a pie, Satchel's a pizza-making guy. Also, if you go in and say the election profit makers sent you, Satchel will give you hundred percent discount oh satchel you walked right into my trap you have to honor it now i lifted the ban on advertisers but you can't lift the ban on a hundred percent discounts to all election profit makers listeners satchel you thought you were getting inside my head i'm so inside your head so you don't even know where i am <laughs> now we have one last donor last week we got a donation from someone named christopher king christopher king is the person who designed my book uh how to sharpen pencils i got an, a donation this week from another christopher king the actual christopher king who i thought the first christopher king was the so the second one is from christopher king who designed my book do you understand huh. what i'm saying John? yeah yeah isn't that interesting that's very interesting all of this to say this new the new christopher king second christopher king who i call christopher king prime the one i know <laughs> he has asked repeatedly, and I never replied to him because I didn't want to deal with it, but now that he's made a pretty nice donation, I have honored it. He asked for an extended remix of the Bedroom Fun (laughs) jingle, Uh, that thing that I did when we were recording in your bedroom together, John. Do you remember? Bedroom Fun time. (laughs) Bedroom Fun recording Recording in in the bedroom. bedroom. Uh, Yes. Okay. 
Now, this is for Christopher King only because he's the person who requested it and made the donation. Everyone else has to stop listening to the podcast for about, I don't know, I don't know how long this thing is. Let's say 30 seconds. Christopher King, please enjoy this custom-made extended remix of Bedroom Fun. Bedroom Fun, recording in the bedroom. Bedroom Fun, recording in the bedroom. Powerful. Beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, I understand that was kind of a, a long and rambling um, uh, shout out to our donors, but we really do appreciate it. And um, yeah, thank you as always. If you'd like to donate, uh, you can send money to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. John, do you have any thoughts about our donors this week? We really appreciate all the donors. It, I mean, it really does mean a lot to us. We It does. We like money, but yeah, it feels good to just uh, get your money. <laughs> That's true. Okay, one last section for this week's uh, uh, podcast episode. Thank you for bearing with us. John, something huge is happening on Sunday night. This might be, for me, the thing I've been looking forward to most out of every event this campaign. John, what's happening on Sunday night? A town hall debate, presidential debate between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. The second debate of three, potentially three, yes. And our theory was, as of our conversation earlier this week, it ends Sunday night, right? I don't see how Donald Trump thrives in this environment. Some people say, oh, no, he's going to do great because he's great with crowds. This is not a screaming rally in some, you know, stadium. This is going to be in front of a live audience of undecided voters, but they're not going to be like whooping and hollering and stuff. And I feel like, like we mentioned last week, the expectation is going to be that these candidates actually answer a question because it's going to be asked by a real human voter rather than a hated member of the media elite. So my theory is, I, I don't know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I am happily anticipating complete disaster and humiliation for Donald Trump, which I've been doing for the past year and which has never truly come to pass. So who knows? But still, I think, I think it ends Sunday night. What do you think, John? Well, I think it's technically already over, but... Yeah, there will be no comeback on Sunday night. It's possible he'll do better than he did in the first debate, which was horrible. But there is no way he wins this debate, and and I think he could. I think he could do worse. I think he'll he'll either overcorrect or he'll undercorrect or he'll do both. But the format won't suit him, and she's good in town halls. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's going to flame out. Let's do it then. Let's pick our let's let's pick there's, our markets. But there's nothing out there yet, dude. Yes, there is. Do they just come up? I'm looking at I'm looking at fresh markets right now. Yeah, well, totally. They, they weren't up an hour ago. Well, that's why you got to keep hitting refresh. You, oh, I didn't explain to you. I have a five monitor setup right now. Oh, okay? okay. So let's go through them. These are fresh, steaming hot, piping hot markets. We have a viewership market. We have, uh, will the moderator mention China? Will the moderator mention Putin? Will the moderator mention WikiLeaks? Will Clinton say you're hired? Will Trump participate in all debates? Still an evergreen. I still hold a position in that. I still think he will not. 
and then will Trump say crooked Hillary? So what do you think, John? Oh, man, predict it. I mean, the, nobody, nobody is betting yes on any of those word markets. I think word markets are done. I hate to say it because that's my favorite market. But the but the no's are all trading substantially higher than the yeses. I mean, Clinton saying you're hired, no's at 88, and yeses at 12. I'm no on all these. Are you are you buying no? No, I'm not buying no. What are you going to buy? Just because they're really expensive. Um, could the moderator mention Putin? Sure. Golly, that's trading yeah, yes at 47 cents. Oh, my God. John. Yeah, I'm in. The, I'm in the comments on this Putin market, which is a new market, so there there aren't a lot of comments. Somebody put in a comment. Yeah, these markets seem kind of lazy. Damn, predicted.org. You're getting stale with your word markets. Just it's just what you're talking about, John. It just feels like the magic's gone out of it. The the edge is off. Yeah. If even predict. Oh, okay. So now let's take a little moment and talk about Starley's fear. Starley does not think this election is over at all. And when John started being like, yeah, it's over. It's over. I'm getting bored. Starley was like, don't you get lazy and don't you get complacent. And this is exactly what happened with that Colombian peace deal. Everyone thought it was a dung deal and they all decided to stay home instead of voting because they assumed it was going to pass no matter what. And then look what happened. No peace deal in Colombia. Starley's theory is that's, that's going to happen this election. So, John, you need to get your head in this game. And everyone listening to this podcast, don't, don't sit around with your thumb up your butt. Complacency. It's the enemy of podcasting. It's the enemy of politics. And it's the enemy of predict it. Brandy Travis, get your head in the game. Come up with some fresh markets. Give us something to talk about. Give us something exciting. Let's get that danger back. Let's get that rush back. I mean, we got into this because of the lifestyle. We got into this for the rush. We got into this for the waves, you know? <laughs> I'm not trying to just stand with, you know, in a lake up to my ankle, some little stagnant pond <laughs> dealing with the same old word markets, the same old market dynamics. Give us something fresh. If the if the election's getting boring, you make it exciting. You make it interesting. You're predicted.org. You're one of the hottest websites of all time. Keep things funky. Keep things fresh. Don't let us get complacent. Don't let us down, Brandy. I don't want to have to add your name to that scroll of names. You don't want to be on the, you know, on the list of, of those names that the diseased used to read out, okay? <laughs> Step lively, predicted. Give us something to work with here. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to this somewhat strange edition of Election Profit Makers. We'll talk to you next week when we sum up Sunday night's presidential debate and look forward to what to expect in the final few weeks of the presidential campaign. I'll also be working hard on our mixtape and maybe starting to work on a t-shirt design. Who knows what great things lie in store for the podcast that will end the day after the election. I'm David Reese. And I'm John Kimball. Bye. Okay, goodbye. He's so over it. He is so over it. <laughs> <sighs>